Do you worry about tomorrow? Does the future feel uncertain? Is the past too painful to bear? Focus on the Family Canada is here to help, so you never have to walk alone. Every morning, our staff lift up your prayer requests. If your burdens are too much to carry on your own, you can request a free one-time call with one of our counselors at focusonthefamily.ca today. That's focusonthefamily.ca. We're here to help. He literally grabbed me and he hugged me, and it was probably one of the greatest, I mean, it was one of the best 60 seconds of my 65-year-old life. Well, that's Steve Graves sharing about the important role of a dad in his child's life, and Steve is with us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and we're going to hear some great advice from Steve about how to intentionally invest in your son and really equip him for adulthood. You know, John, I haven't met anyone who really regrets uh, spending that intentional time with their children. I mean, that's a healthy parent, right? You want to spend that kind of time with your kids. But I know many parents who wish they had been more intentional hmm. about spending that time. I think of that with my boys. One of the things I didn't do well now in retrospect, I mean, Trent's out of the home, Troy just graduated, you know, so, uh, but spending individual time with them. I, I Because I had two boys, we just did everything together as guys, right? Whatever we did. And I think that was a shortcoming. I should have spent a little more time with each one of them individually. Mm. And uh, today we're going to talk about how to do that balance, how to work as a good father to develop that relationship and deposit into their souls the things, particularly your sons, but this will apply to daughters as well, but what your sons need from a dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some great principles for every dad. Uh, So lean in and hear from Steve. Uh, He and his wife, Karen, have three adult children, and uh, he works in the corporate world advising business owners and entrepreneurs. And uh, Steve speaks and writes about faith and work and has a book called 41 Deposits, Crucial Conversations for Fathers and Sons. And we'll encourage you to get your copy at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Steve, welcome to Focus on the Family. Hey, thanks, Jim. John, good. good to be here. It's good to have you. I love this topic, being a father of two boys. I mean, whenever we're talking about being a dad of sons, it excites me. Yeah. And like I said, I think these uh, applications will work for daughters as well. Uh, there's some differences, but generally what we're going to talk about today is how to be a good dad, right? Yes, absolutely. And they do apply to women as well. Um, you have three children. You have two daughters and a son, and I think they're grown now, right? Yeah, they are. They're, all, they're actually – we went. it's really funny. We went from having no married children to all married children in two years, we had three <laughs> weddings, you know, everybody got married, and then we just had our first grandchild not too long ago. Uh, so we've we've moved fully into the parenting of adult children quickly. That sounds like warp speed, it actually. Is, it <laughs> is. We, we need help. We need help. Yeah, so you've experienced it all rather quickly. Yes, we have. So, um, you know, being that kind of dad, that intentional dad, what was raising your kids like? What? How would you describe yourself in that regard? Well, you know— it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I'm an intentional person by nature. My jobs, working with CEOs, I advise CEOs, is what I do every day. And so I have to be a little proactive and, and out thinking ahead and around the corners. And so by nature, my wiring is intentional. But 
Uh, you know when you, you know when you're parenting kids, you just kind of get in that zone where you're just doing everything you can do to keep things moving and keep it going. And you get to Sunday, and then you start again on Monday, and you wake up, and all of a sudden people are in junior high, and then they're graduating, and you just say, "Wow, what really happened?" And and so it was really interesting. My girls, I was clearly intentional with them, but my son somehow really triggered some things in me that made me want to make. at least even a greater series of intentional deposits into his life kind of from a dad to a son kind of a thing and and i try to apply it to my family when i can let me you know let me make sure dads are hearing this clearly and and the the wives that love them yeah (laughs) yeah i i wrote a book called the good dad because one of my concerns is that we as as men tend to want to do a good job. And if we're not doing a good job, we kind of recoil, we go and hide. And I think fathering has so many challenges that we're not equipped for. You may be a person that came from a household like me that you didn't have a dad. Right. I mean, I was lost. I didn't have a blueprint. Nobody taught me how to be a dad. And you can have a father live in a home, an intact home, and have that same outcome mm-hmm. where you didn't really have modeling on how to be a father because your dad was emotionally distant or what have you. So I want I wanted to ask you that question in terms of that perfection drive that many men have and the fact that no one's perfect it's okay you're not you don't need to be working with CEOs I mean a lot of men that just heard you went whoa okay this guy's qualified yeah <laughs> yeah well I'll, yeah I hope I at least have something to say to them after 35 years but you that's know, the point the yeah. perfect versus the good yeah no mm. I, I couldn't agree more I mean if I would have had to have been the perfect dad I, you know I mean my I'm not and that was to be honest Jim that was really my biggest challenge in really putting this into a book I did it because I wanted to impact my son and it was a great journey for the two of us. It was an awesome experience for the two of us to bond as as him becoming an adult. Um, and I had the outlines. I'd done it. but I'd, And I'd send my outlines to anybody who wanted them. But I just wasn't really sure I wanted to put it into a book because I'm not the perfect dad. He's not the perfect son. We're not the perfect family. We didn't do the perfect job. And this notion that, that I'm putting out some prescription that if you'll just you know take these 41 pills, everything's going to be perfect. To be frank with you, I had 50. I had 50 deposits. We only got to 41. So I'm like a nine. I'm a nine deposit failure if you really want to get down to <laughs> it's it. It's an A minus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Give me a solid a B plus or A minus. But yeah. yes, I am not, you know, it was not the perfect dad, but it's the dad who says, you know what? During the season when my children are with me, I'm going to make sure that I at least devote the kind of stewardship to them that needs to be there. And here's the thing. I don't know. Most parents that I've that I know and I've met, you know, I'm 65. And so I've met a lot of parents in, in a lot of places. And most parents aspire great things for their children. They really do. And that's believing parents, faith-based parents. It doesn't matter what political party. Most parents aspire great things for their kids. It's just knowing kind of what to do and how to get that done. That's where we sometimes go a little foggy. Well, let's get into it. The title is catchy, 41 Deposits. So how do you define a deposit? What is that? Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you what it meant for me, and I would not at all try to tell everybody that, you know, this is what it's got to mean to you. But for me, I knew this. I knew that I grew up without a dad in my home. I had a godly mom, and that I had uh, I had at least nine very specific men that played a father figure in my role as I was growing up in, into becoming an adult. And those men deposited certain things into my thinking, my psyche, 
my mindset, my belief system, whatever. And so I just sat down one time and made a long list of things that I knew at the end of the day, if I could share with my son what I thought about these things, how I was approaching them, how I was you know, reaching the challenge of each of these things, and then help him think about them over kind of a really transparent, honest, vulnerable relationship – that was for me the deposit. The deposit wasn't that I'm going to force feed into him to believe a certain way, to think a certain way. And oh, by the way, you need to believe exactly how I do about these 49 things or 50 things, 41, you know, and, <laughs> and, and it, it, because he's a different person and right. God has a different calling for him. Now, when it comes to the core values of life and the belief systems and some of that, I, I hope that as he migrates into adulthood and he finds his adult faith and on and on, that I hope we're more aligned than we're not aligned. Sure. But a deposit wasn't, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of like a mold, I'm just going to stamp these into you and you have no, you don't really have any varying to really trust them, believe them, accept them or not. You, you added in there, which I think is important, kind of the tying a knot analogy you know it's not just a deposit but you're actually strengthening the fiber of your son's heart yeah. by tying this knot yeah, yeah. Uh, what were you getting at well there? my two my two big goals is i wanted to make some wisdom deposits into his mind the way he thought about things and then i wanted to try to make some relational deposits into his heart so that he and i would would really have a a life connection you know mm-hmm. and so what happened is that made me think about I have to contextually get inside my kids' lives as they go through inflection moments in their lives, whether it's puberty, whether it's learning, having a date, whether it's being a star on a basketball team, whatever. So fast forward that, you know, with Kyle, um, I remember I really wanted to somehow make sure that I had tied a good tight knot between the way he was thinking, the way I was thinking, and what he was feeling in his heart, and what I was feeling. And I really believe it's kind of like that last verse in Malachi. It's interesting. It's said in a prophetic context. Uh, it's not necessarily said in a family-building context, but the context is is that when parents tie their hearts to their kids, and their kids are also tied to the hearts of their parents, there's this two-way tie that's going on. Good things happen. Yeah. And and that was, for me, this realization all the way back to when my kids were younger. I realized that the notion that I'm just going to wrap a really nice tight knot with my children when they're young, and that's going to ride for 50 years, mm-hmm. is crazy. And it's I don't need to feel guilty about that, and I don't need to be shamed. It's The knot's going to fray. It's going to come undone. It's my job to go tie it again and tie it again and tie it again and make sure that – because if I've got that, I've got a pretty good – sound framework to work through all kinds of issues, whether they're belief issues, their behavior issues, figuring out how to align adult families, whatever. So that's that's where the knot comes from. And it's good. I'm thinking, you know, we use different terminology, but what you're saying from another angle is just be intentional about developing relationship with your kids. That's the point. And then cement those values in various ways. Um, you know, a lot of men were about process and structure. Yes. So when you look at it, we're going, okay, what did you do, Steve? What's <laughs> yeah. the next step? What's yeah. step one, two, and three? So when you look at the structure of what you decided to do with Kyle after you identified the 50 things, even though you only got to 41, but yes. we won't talk about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what was the structure for you and Kyle? What age did you start? Yeah. And yeah. and I think in there, I would ask you to include this idea of the differential between lecturing 
and mm-hmm. communicating, yeah. relationship building. Because I think a lot of his dads tend to wah, 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 yeah. we lecture. Look, listen, man, I get paid really good money to be a coach, to tell, give my point of view on something that should be happening. I mean, that's, what I, that's how I'm wired. That's my skill set. That's my God-given calling. And so often I have to kind of shift in into a different mode where I'm not lecturing or I'm not coaching or I'm not telling them a point of view. I'm, I'm creating a conversation with them. The context was this. Um, I made my list, and then Kyle and I agreed that we were going to grab breakfast at a new donut, a new, a new bagel store in town. Oh, shoot. You yeah. had a donut. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It was a brand-new bagel store. And so we, he wanted to go, so we, we joined up. And, um, excuse me, we decided that we would, we would go there and – you know, it wasn't the deal, guys. It wasn't the thing that we said every Friday we're going to get together or every. But we decided we were going to get together every week when we could. He was going into his high school season of basketball. He played basketball. He was really active, and we loved it. And uh, but we met every week or every other week all the way through his high school season. Our plan was to create some honest, transparent dialogue around the topics that I felt like were the most important topics that were in my heart that I wanted to somehow transfer and put in his heart and his mind. Mm. And so we just wrestled and we talked about them. And Mm. what we usually did is we started with kind of top of mind items. And then from that, we would try to slide into the topic of the day. Um, I would always try to have a story or whatever and a Bible verse that we really anchored everything around. But we just stayed with it all the way till he graduated. And then when he graduated, I gave him the notes. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. John Avery Whitaker is an incredible guy. But have you ever wondered what makes wit, wit? Find out in the new Young Wit book series from Focus on the Family. In book number one, nine-year-old John Avery Whitaker moves to a new town, makes new friends, faces a new bully, and solves a 70-year-old mystery. Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure is available at focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Parlez-vous français or know anyone who does? At Focus on the Family Canada, we have a ministry dedicated to French-speaking families. Sign up for our free Focus Family magazine today to receive marriage and parenting advice grounded in biblical truth. Visit our website, focusfamille.ca, for more resources in French. That's focusfamille.ca. Rendez-vous sur notre site focusfamille.ca et abonnez-vous à notre magazine gratuit. À bientôt! Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Steve, there was a particular time that, that you shared about in the book where you and Kyle had a, a discussion. Uh, it may have been around sexual issues or lust or whatever that was. I want you to fill the blank in there. But it really affected him. And I, I think I want to make sure we cover this because it, it's the proof of the power of conversation. What happened? Well, yeah, you know, it was really fun because... It was fun and also painful. Um, 
I came in and I shared with him some of the ways that I struggle Mm -hmm. and some of the ways that I have failed around this big topic. And so he just listened. And it just so happened that that particular day, he had to leave early, and we both had forgotten about it, but he had to leave early. And so literally at the, like, almost at the very middle of our conversation, he had to bolt. Well, when he bolted, we'd already paid. And so we walked outside, and when we walked out, he literally grabbed me and he hugged me. And it was probably one of the greatest, I mean, it was one of the best 60 seconds of my 65-year-old life. I'm telling you, it was, we hugged each other. uh, He started crying. I started crying, and not a word was said. Mm And what was happening, and I'll confirm later, but what was happening was he was just thinking about areas that he has failed and areas that he's really human and areas that he struggles in. But more importantly, or equally important, is he was looking at me as dad and he was saying, you know, here's my dad who also struggles, who also fails, who also is a human. And so we were just kind of hugging each other and and just kind of holding each other and processing the fact that we as men are going to struggle with that, by the way, our whole life. I mean, that's not like one of those that you kind of grow out of when you're 31. Right. You know, or when you, as soon as you get married and have kids, no problem with with any sort of sexual issues or temptations or struggles. That doesn't go away. Hmm. That go, and I don't. It doesn't matter how godly you might be or how how many verses you memorize. All those things are crucial. But the temptation itself is going to be with us as long as we're humans. And so that was the moment for us that was was a really strong moment. Well, I think the power of that is the the level of intimacy and authenticity in that. When you can have that kind of discussion with your son and he can respond with that understanding, you've connected in a, such a deep way. That knot yep. that you referred to yep. earlier is, is a double knot. Yeah, it, It's it really great. tied tight. And my guess would be that he is comfortable coming to you, talking to you about these things. Yeah. And that's one of the big areas a lot of a lot of dads will miss because we tell our sons, you know, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. We don't tell them our own failures, yeah. our own weaknesses, et cetera, where they can then attach to that. And then you have intimacy. Yeah. We certainly are able to talk about all kinds of things. Um, and we do. We do today. I mean, we talk about all kind of things. Yeah. And, and I would say that that was probably established in those early relationships. No question. Another thing that you point out in the book, which I totally resonated with, and my boys really responded to, was uh, activity-based things, whether it was camping. You did canoe trips, I yeah. think, was your yeah. thing. Yeah. And I love that. And I would encourage every dad listening, and I don't care what age your, your sons are now, and I'd include your daughters you know, at different times. But to do activities with them, boys really respond to that, you know, so they're not just looking at you, hearing your lips flap. Yeah. They yep. need to be doing something, and they remember those things for a long time. Well, the thing is, and we all know this, I mean, we all could write a book on it, but we all know that when you engage with an activity with somebody else, what you're doing now is you're putting something else in the middle of the relational dynamic. We're in a canoe together, canoeing. We're playing pickup basketball. We're playing chess or whatever it is. And so all of a sudden now I've got a whole different toolbox to talk to you about important things or to ask questions or maybe even, you know, God forbid, I don't even try to talk about anything. We just get in the canoe and we just have a great day without me feeling like I've got to accomplish 17 things with my parenting that day. And that's where where overly, you know, kind of over-intentional dads, we always struggle. I mean, I I have it's amazing how many CEOs that I'll work with and and often when we end up talking about, you know, parenting or 
kids or whatever. And, and uh, you know, I'll just say, look, you know, you're just so wired, and I'm so wired to get stuff done every day. We're not wired to get up and just lay around and do nothing. And so when you intersect your canoe trip or your outing to hike, go hiking somewhere or let's go stand on the river and fly fish, I find myself wanting to say, hey, would you come over here closer so I can tell you some more things? Yeah, right. You know, versus like, let's Maximize just... Maximize your time. Exactly. I'm oh, totally with you. You've got to be, got to double stack, get, stuff, get 16 things done while we're doing one thing versus <laughs> let's just go stand in the river about 12 feet from each other and just not talk for an hour. I mean, how can that be good? That's awesome. Yeah. Especially to the child. Yeah. The child loves that. And, and by the way, all I've done is earn the right on the way home to maybe ask a better question and to maybe even talk about something in a more transparent way. Uh, Steve, again, you've you, you, obviously you wrote 50 deposits that you wanted to do, and the book is 41 because that's what you got done. I appreciate your honesty. Um, <laughs> but in that regard, I, to some dads listening and some uh, wives who love their husbands and know the kind of wiring they have, it is overwhelming. I'm I'm not going to create a list of 41 things. Uh, speak hope into that father and their future relationship with their kids. What we struggle as men getting out of the gate because we don't we don't know the process. We don't trust the process. We're not sure it's going to work. So we pull back right away. Right. So what encouragement do you have for that dad that's going, I love what you're talking about, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, Jim, that's probably the single biggest reason that I decided to go ahead and write the book, besides getting a green light from my family. I had two friends of mine that live in uh, Utah, and they basically said, you know, just come on, man. You can provide some train tracks. You can provide a framework for somebody that might not be wired to be a pioneer. They might not be wired to come up with the list themselves, but but they're executors. They can follow a roadmap. And I, and I just thought about it. I mean, every city I go to, if I don't know how to get to somewhere, what do I do? I get on my map and I find a map. And somebody that's taken the time to provide the framework makes it easy for me to follow the map. And so right. All I tried to do is this. I came up with 41 things that were right for me and my son. And basically, most people can take those and use those as kind of a train track to run down and then contextualize it as you go. My son has some perfectionism tendencies, you know, and so we had to talk about that. If your son or daughter doesn't, then you add what it might be there. And, you know, and and so that's my whole goal was to try to provide a little bit of a framework that people could jump on the road, travel with it, and then they could contextualize it. I was talking to a business partner of mine this morning earlier. And he asked me what I was doing today, and I said, well, I'm out here doing this deal. And he said, man, I love that book. And I said, well, I'm glad you do. And he said, I use it all the time. And he said, I'll use it when I'm in the car with my younger kids. I'll just grab a nugget, and I'll grab one topic, and I'll use it as a point of discussion. Or if I know I want to do a devotional with one of my kids, I'll grab one of those. But it's not like he's just following the book page by page by page, because you have to contextualize it. But you don't have to start from a blank canvas. You don't have to look at the blank board and say, wow, I don't even know where to start. Just go to the table of contents and pick the circle the ones that you think best apply to you you and your child start there and where my story doesn't fit you stick your story in and then just stay with the principles and go i do want to end with maybe the toughest of the questions that dad that i'm envisioning and i i have friends that are in this spot where their relationship with their teens is so frayed and you know there's lots of reasons for it there's no blame but a rules-oriented father yep. who is really driving black and white can cause that relationship to fray. In your experience, I mean, working with the CEOs and then you know working with the father-son combos that you have, 
what are those things that dads should be aware of in their own behavior? Forget the teenager. And we know what they behave like, like their brains aren't formed yet. So let's just accept that. (laughs) But as the adult, as the dad, how am I stepping on their oxygen hose and I need to be careful? Yeah. You know, I think it's important that I can dial back a little bit and I can show to my children that I really have some intentional work that I'm doing on myself. When people can see that you also, that you're not perfect and that you're working on some stuff, I begin to put barriers down. When I think that when you've somehow made me feel that you're in a different place, you're above me, you don't have the problems I have, that's what disconnect oftentimes happens. And so, you know, the transparency and vulnerability of a parent, and you don't have to do it by coming in and saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with these 19 things. You just have to say, you know, I'm really working on some stuff that I know I haven't done as well at, you know, and I need to work on that and whatever. And then the other thing is this. I've seen usually kids love to spend time with parents who also enjoy spending time with them. Right. If you somehow just – if you can't get past the kid, the fact that your kids are irritating you and they're driving you nuts, and that's going to come out. And so find a good spot in your mind and your soul and your heart so that you're actually coming across that you're having a good time with them as well. Yeah. When you're able to do that, you're able to kind of somehow begin to really kind of tie the knot a little bit one more time. Yeah, that's good. But it's not easy, Jim, because we do fail, especially intentional dads. Intentionally, oh. we we mess up all the time. Yeah, the other key thing for that dad of a twenty-something, a thirty-something, maybe older, um, where the relationship is frayed, what can they do to begin to repair that? Yeah, you know, I, I could tell you something that my wife and I are doing with our adult children is we're helping them understand that we don't know how to parent adult children. We didn't know how to parent younger children. We just, we just <laughs> right. never told them. <laughs> you know? but, now they're smart yeah, enough now to they're, know. Now they know. But, but like we've said to them, hey, listen, we're trying to figure out how to be good, effective, responsible parents of adult children. But you're going to have to help us. You're going to have to help us learn what that looks like. And you've got to be patient with us. You're going to have to give us some grace. You're going to have to give us some times to fail. It will be some blood on the table sometimes. I can't help that. But, like, we're not going to do it right. But the question is, are you willing to help us kind of get involved in being good adult parents? We're going to try. Yeah. But you've got to help us a little bit. So it could be that a parent – a dad of a son that's kind of estranged or not there, somehow maybe over time communicate that, you know, he's trying to learn how to be a good parent of an adult child. Start there without having to go back and rehearse all the water under the bridge from 25 years. Just start there because the 25-year-old son would say, yeah, I guarantee you you need some help. I might can even help you. The question is, is, do I really want help? Or is that just a ploy? If I really want help, I might get some help from my 25 year Oh, yeah, you sure will. I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. Steve, this has been so great. And uh, I hope every dad listening and, and, again, the wives of these dads listening uh, can help take the first step and move in a direction where we can do a better job as a father. And I certainly want to recommend your book, 41 Deposits, Crucial Conversations for Fathers and Sons. And you can get your copy here at Focus on the Family Canada. Just call and order it today. And remember, all the proceeds go right back into helping Canadian families thrive in Christ. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca.
And John, also we have a great uh, parenting assessment tool that's free. Uh, you can come to the Focus website. It takes five to seven minutes to mm-hmm. fill it out. It's a parenting assessment, the seven traits of effective parenting, and it's going to give you uh, your strengths and weaknesses, things that you're doing well and things that you probably need to work on. And uh, that's a great starting place to kind of do a little report card on how you're doing. So I'd encourage you to go there and get that as well. Uh, Again, get in touch if there's any way we can help or if you'd like to donate to the ministry. Uh, Once more, our number 800, the letter A, and the word family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.